Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. In this episode, David and I are going to be talking about rules, not like not like traffic rules, but rules that we've adopted over time that we don't even realize that we've adopted. Some of them have to do with chocolate chip cookies. Some of them have to do with a pot roast. Some of them have to do with Brandon not being able to put contacts in his eyes until he was almost 40 years old. Take a listen and see if you've got any hidden value conflicts that are sabotaging your success. Successful people learn how to make their minds work for them. We are Life Is Now, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. What's happening? Hey, I want to talk about rules today. Okay. Um, and do you want me to, I'm going to give you like the background and why I want to talk to you Give me the background. Okay, so. We did a, um, I did, I facilitated an event just, just this recent, like in the recent past. Right. And yeah. as part of that event, our whole team went out to, to dinner and we were sitting around the dinner table and Brandon posed the question, what's one food that you'll never eat? Like one food that you just refuse to eat. Right. And the, our digital media producers all had very strong opinions about what they will never eat. I only said that I would never eat gooey duck again because I was not a fan, but I did try it. And mm. I think it's absolutely revolting. Um, Brandon really couldn't think of anything. But in this conversation, it became very clear that there were a lot of rules around what someone would eat and, and not eat. And it, it was, you know, one of the guys that I'll never eat. I, 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 I'm, I will never eat uncooked seafood, but yet he's never had sushi from Tao in Las Vegas, right? Or, or you know, like really, really great um, dining experience yeah. that involves involves raw fish. So I'm like, wow, that's- So that, that's, that's like, there's not evidence for what the, why the rule's there. It, that, it's like, there's something irrational about that rule. It's, right. it's not based on, oh, I had a terrible experience with raw seafood. It's not, it's not based on actually eating raw seafood. Okay. It's just a, like, I, I will not eat. Gotcha. I will not eat. Rossi food. And I was thinking, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're missing out on like some really, like a really great culinary experience. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of, of sushi. And granted, I mean, there wasn't sushi when I was growing up. I didn't even try Chinese food until I was 18 years old because my family just didn't have the means to go out to dinner. And if it was, <laughs> we'd go to McDonald's, yeah. you know? So it wasn't like I had, you know, a whole lot of um, past experience in food, but I was open to trying things, right? And actually, I tried a lot of fantastic foods as part of Life Is Now. Like oh, we yeah. We brought to we've dinners and so I mean, many we've, different we've places. So many great, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I'm sitting around the table and everyone's talking and I'm listening to everybody and just, I, I just do what I do. I observe, right? I ask questions and I sit back and I observe what's going on and I just realize how many rules everybody has around, around food. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. All right. Well, and then. The next day during the event, there was a conversation that broke out with the team about chocolate chip cookies dipped in apple juice, right? So 
one of the guys. Chocolate chip cookies dipped yes, in apple juice. One of the guys said, hey, have y'all had chocolate chip cookies dipped in apple juice? And everybody on the team, myself included, said, oh my God, that's disgusting. Like never. Like it was kind of like it a hell. It doesn't sound appetizing. It was kind of like a hell no, right? And yeah. here I was creating a rule around what I was was or wasn't going to eat. Like, I'm not going to die if I dip a chocolate yeah, chip I mean, cookie into good. apple juice, right? Gross. Like, I mean, But it just... was just like this immediate, ew, gross. And I, apparently while, while I was facilitating, the guys actually experimented and dipped a chocolate chip cookie into apple juice. And it was incredible. And then they did all this research behind it. And it turns out like there's all this stuff written, especially on Reddit, about how delicious a chocolate chip cookie is dipped in apple juice, right? So that I'm sitting there thinking, well, here I am. Oh, go figure. Here I am at this dinner looking at these guys <clears throat> saying, damn, they had a lot of rules around what they will or won't eat. And here I am doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And I just began to see parallels as I was facilitating this event with the business owners, all of them multi-seven figure, seven figure and multi-seven figure business owners that had rules around what they could and couldn't do. And the rules weren't based in anything other than a belief. Yeah, there was no logic kind. around them, there for was, sure. There was no logic around, right? <laughs> so like we were talking about different forms of performance reviews. Well, everyone's just done that antiquated old, like I'm your superior, I'm going to do a performance review. And I brought in a new way of doing this. And they were like, oh, does this really work? Like I've always just done it this way because this is the way that I was told that it needed to be done, but I've never really felt good about it. Yeah. But they just kept doing it even though they didn't feel good about it because it was a belief that it had to be that way, right? Yeah. So these beliefs are super, um, they're really strong, but the thing that, that hit me the most is that people don't even realize that they're, that they're rules or beliefs. I agree with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we all yeah. go about our day making judgments, making decisions, Without really taking a second to step back and say, well, wait a second. Is this really, A, what I want to be doing? Is this based in, is, is my opinion based in any kind of experience? Like, do I not like chocolate chip cookies dipped in apple juice because I don't like either chocolate chip cookies or apple juice? No. Just the combination sounded disgusting. Or I've actually tried it before and I don't like or it. Or I've actually tried it before and I don't like it, Right. So it just really got me thinking about the power of rules and how your subconscious mind uses those rules to keep you from having what you want to have, doing what you want to do, and experiencing some really incredible things that you might not even know that you're missing out on yeah. because of these rules. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> it's an interesting thing because um, th I don't know that there's any rhyme or reason why rules show up the way that they do in people's personalities uh and the way that they think and the way that they behave and what they will do and what they won't do um because if you look at them and we've looked at them over the years oh. a lot there there is no rhyme or reason right sometimes they were they were handed down mm -hmm. in a family like there's big rules in families right you don't do this you don't do that that type of thing uh, sometimes they develop those rules for themselves out of who knows for what reason I, here's what I, here's what, here's what I do see to be, that seems to be relevant all the time is that there, there, it's a way of staying in control. It's a way of staying safe and it's a way of staying certain. Like 
The thing about a rule is that it gives you a level of certainty about something, even if it's not true. Would you agree with that? Oh, I was very firm in my certain yuck of chocolate chip in chocolate chip cookie dipped in apple juice. (laughs) I was very firm. So it makes me wonder, and I have never, I don't think I've analyzed this enough to actually give you statistical facts on this, but, but thinking of just thinking about this off the top of my head and like, okay, so what is it? What is the benefit that somebody's getting out of rules? And the one thing that, that I would probably create across the entire line would be a feeling of certainty. Like that's, we know that for sure. A rule is going to give somebody a feeling of certainty about something. Now, what is the certainty about? I think that varies based on different situations. And another thing is this, we know rules can be passed down from one generation to another without having any understanding why that rule was developed. And it's just assimilated into the next generation of people that say, this is, you know, why do you do this? Just because that, just because just because so i just had this i just had this this thought so i've just thought of a couple instances where this has shown up for me and actually one that's shown up for brandon so i'm gonna i'm gonna like out him a little bit here but Uh for me my mother hated bananas like she would make the grossest face when someone would say anything about bananas your mom my mom hated them hated them so much that i never even tried a banana until i was in my 20s seriously yes Peppers, peppers, same thing. Like hated pep. She had this like. What kind of peppers are we talking about? Green peppers, any kind of pepper. Green pepper, red bell pepper. Yeah, Yeah. hated them. Right, and it was it was it's fascinating for me to look back because there were so many things that I liked or didn't like based on what my mom liked or didn't like. So is that certainty in like the connection between the two of us? Like we're alike. Is that just? I, I mean, it was like, it's a freaking banana. Like, what would it take for me to try it? But I, I mean, I know I had opportunities to try a banana and I said, ew, gross, I hate bananas yeah. without ever even having tried a banana, right? And then Brandon, like, has some of the worst eyeballs of That's anybody. Like, do. his sight is so <laughs> awful. It's like, bad. terrible eyesight, right? His glasses are like, freaking coke bottle you could burn ants with them i could you could literally burn (laughs) ants with the sun with these things okay and for years and years and years he would keep saying and i've had contents to contact since since fifth grade right and he's always had glasses and it was always an issue because you can't find sunglasses and then he loses your prescription and they were really expensive and you can't go snorkeling and there's a whole host of reasons why contacts are a good thing right so i would keep saying to him why don't you just get contacts i can't put anything in my eye i'm like what do you mean you can't put anything in your eye i can't put anything in my eye i'm like what what what's different about you than the rest of the population? It took our what I think Bailey was ten when she got contacts. I think Bailey was ten when she got contacts, and Emma was just right. Our kids got contacts, and I'm like, okay, I can put con- I can put stuff in my eye. The girls can put things in my in their eye. Why can't you put it in your eye? Well, my mom just always told me that I couldn't put things in my eyes. She Is always had a hard right? time. Well, it was it really what got me into that place of putting, you know, getting to a place where I could put something in my eye is we went snorkeling on I a remember. cruise yes. and I couldn't see because you they wouldn't let you have, my glasses wouldn't work underneath the snorkel mask. So they, I had to go 
without glasses and there's sea turtles floating by. Hey, look at that. I could see literally a foot in front of my face so much so that I actually lost my snorkel tube. I lost every part of that. I got put in timeout on the rum punch he, ride on he, the way back. He actually swam to the wrong boat. I swam to the wrong boat. to our boat to yeah, get back Yeah, that's how the, bad the my eyes are. Bad eyes are. So thanks to Steph for bringing this out. But here's the thing. So this is Mary Pat's fault. Oh, totally. And I used to have to have, they used to have to hold me down to put Visine in my eyes. That's how bad it was. hold you down? Yes, because I could not put anything near my eye. And then once I got over, it literally took me 45 minutes to take out a contact. The very first, I had the doctors put them in. It took me 45 minutes to take one of them out. But after you get used to it, I said, how could I have gone this long without it? And it really boiled down to my mom never did contacts. She tried contacts. It's not going to work. You have bad eyes. You'll never get to have contacts. It's just a part of your life. You'll never, ever, ever have them. And I fell into that belief system. And Steph was the one that said, look, if you ever want to snorkel again, here's what you need to do. You need to get contacts. And I said, okay, I'll try it. And through some moral support, I broke that paradigm. But it, It was literally my mom that said, no way. My brother still adheres to that. He cannot do contacts. Well, so what does your mom think about it now that you have contacts? No, I mean, she, she would never try them herself, but she's like, she would not say out loud that she ever passed that belief on to me. She's yeah. just like, this yeah. is just me, but me paying close attention. It was a hundred percent her. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that like, so, so then those two examples, like super, super like kind of benign, like, you know, mm-hmm. examples, everybody has those examples. Right. So and then you start thinking, wow, where else is just showing up in my life? Like how else yeah. am I allowing someone else's belief to control or, or someone else's rules to control my actions, well, here's my decisions? One. I don't know if you know about this one. Um, I, was, I have always been, since I was a little kid, fascinated with Europe. And my father uh, was always like, Europe, you don't want to go to Europe. And I was like, why? Because Europe is old. You know, we don't like, we don't like old things. Like when, and I remember, so you remember Matchbox cars, Hot Wheels and stuff when yeah, we were yeah. kids? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I would love Jaguars and Bugatti, you know, anything that came. Foreign, you know, foreign cars. Yeah, foreign cars, yeah, right? Yeah. And if they were from Europe, my dad was like, those are junk. Those are garbage. So, it, 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 um, I mean, I couldn't like anything that came from Europe. It was really weird. So when I was. Uh, when I was, when I was going into the army, I was, I was, he tried to talk me out of going to Europe. He's like, he just told me you won't like it. Now, now here's the thing. My father's never been to Europe. He was in, he went to Vietnam, right? He's been to Hong Kong, right? But he's never been to Europe. So, and I, and I, he was like, I just don't like it. It's old things and you won't like it. And he kept trying to convince me that I would not like it, but I felt a really strong pull. Yeah. So there was this, there was this kind of thing where it was like, I am not going to side with him on this just because he doesn't like this and and tell me that I'm not going to go. I went, I absolutely loved it. I fell in love with Europe. I I mean, I, well, you know how much I like Europe. Yes. But it was, it was a thing. Like, I mean, I could see if he went there and maybe had a bad experience or he, it just wasn't his cup of tea or whatever. But I remember asking him, why don't you like Europe? And he said, because Europe's old. I like new things. And I said, have you ever been to Europe? No. <laughs> no. But, but he was firm. Like, yeah. if you said that it came from Europe, it wasn't any good. Like, he had just, he had this thing 
in his mind. I have no idea where it came from, but it's like a rule in, a rule in his head. Well, think about how many people probably would, you, you fought it off, right? But think how many people would have just taken on that rule well, and there said, were, yeah. look, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. I, I don't like your, I hate Well, there it. were rules that I took on. There were rules that I, that I took on that I didn't challenge, that I realized, that I didn't realize they were rules until I started growing. And I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I behaving this way? Um, picking up behaviors, picking up ideas, ideologies, that type of thing that were being passed down from, from my parents. But both my mom and my dad were very strong in the rules that they had for themselves. And a lot of the, a lot of the rules, like you were just saying, and you were saying to you that like, they had no experience with them. There was nothing for them to say, here's the reason why this is a rule, why I don't like this. My mom would, my mom would be like, just because. You would question it, and she'd be like, just because. But they couldn't actually give you any statistical data about, about an experience, why. about why. Yeah. yeah, and then there's the rules that you just, you just accept, and they're, they're not even spoken. So um, you helped me see a rule that I was living by a couple of years ago. I always bought a General Motors vehicle. My dad worked for GM <laughs> for 30 years. Every vehicle we ever owned was a GM vehicle. And so it was just like, in my opinion, an unspoken rule that I would be like basically, you know, um, offending my dad if I bought something other than a GM vehicle. So all of my life, all I had was a GM, not that there's anything wrong with the GM vehicle. We had some very nice cars, right? right? Cars, SUVs, whatever. But it took a conversation where you were like, have you ever looked at, have you ever test drove a non-GM car? And I was like, no. Have you ever like thought maybe you want something different? And I was like, no. And you know, you know, when you ask me a question, then you leave it sit there that I think about it for like (laughs) a week and a half, two weeks. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start looking at foreign luxury cars, right? Because we were right in the we were right in the place where we needed to trade in our our vehicle. It was a lease and the lease was coming up due. And Brandon and I sat on YouTube and he's he's never looked at, I mean, his family only had um American made cars yeah, as well. Yeah. Um and we sat on YouTube and we went through videos and we were both like, oh my God, we could have one of these cars. Look at this thing. Like the mirror shows video on the back. And I mean, it was a completely different different experience right. than what we were driving. I think at that time we were driving like a Chevy Malibu, right? It was the top end Chevy Malibu, but it wasn't like a, like a true luxury vehicle. Yeah. And I fell in love with the Jaguar, right? God, it's a hot car. And so we went to the Jaguar dealer and I got in the car and I just felt something. It was just like, oh my God, this is what, this is why David was asking me what he was asking me, right? Like, I felt like a different person. I, it, was, it was so intricate, the, the detailing, the, heated, the heatedness of it, yeah. right? Because I love <clears throat> heated seats and hearing heated steering wheels. And that's, a, that's an important, like climate control is important for me because I'm always cold. Um, fell in love with it, got it, brought it home. And then my dad was coming um, up for Thanksgiving a couple of weeks later. And I actually found myself like ridiculously nervous to tell him that I got, (laughs) I'm a 40 freaking five-year-old woman. And I'm nervous to tell my dad that I got this Jaguar. And he, he, he came and I'm like, dad, I got to show you something that I got. And he 
we went in the garage. I pulled it out. He got in and he was just like, God damn, this is a nice car. <laughs> like, this is really nice. And I'm like, I got to tell you something. I had this like belief that you would be upset with me for getting this. And he was like, why the hell would you think that? I mean, my dad's very like, you know, that's dumb. Yeah. Um, Cause he never said, not once did he ever say the Sorensons only buy GM made vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. Like he never stated that it was a rule that that happened, but I was, I was afraid that I would offend him if I, so, so there's also those kinds of rules, right? Yeah. And I, I wonder if that goes back to the certainty that you were talking about. Well, just think about something for a second. That the the whole idea about the GM, that was based in your guys' livelihood, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, this is where your dad worked. This is how he took care of the family. Yeah. This was the stability, right? You support the because my dad worked for um for Dodge Chrysler back when I was really little. And everything was about having a Dodge at the time. And I remember this huge disagreement him and my mom had she wanted her first car and he wanted it to be a dodge and she went out and got a buick century <laughs> right and it was like that's garbage that's junk he always drove do- dodges and then you know i mean that changed over the years but it was such an interesting thing like this is w- this is what supports the family so this is the product you know that that we use so the certainty getting that passed down would make total sense yeah. Even if you never said it, you wouldn't have to say it. Yeah. Right? Yep. I just I think it's fascinating how these things how these things show up. And when you take a step back and look at what are the hidden rules I'm following currently as mm. a business owner, as a business leader that could be hampering my growth, could be sucking my joy. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we talked to a lot of we talked to a lot of business owners over the weekend that were not excited about leading a team because they felt they had to do it in a way that wasn't in alignment with who they actually really were. I think every one of them had a rule around that. I mean, you could just see their eyeballs flipping in the back of their head every time you talked about it. And they had none of, not a one of them had any reason because they had never heard of the things that you were talking about before. Like they were, there was so much doubt coming over their mind. Like, will this actually work with my team? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. So what would you say, like, what would you say to someone that's listening to this? That's like, I wonder what kind of rules I've got that I don't actually know about. Do you have any suggestions for that? Well, so it's a, again, rules create a value conflict, right? So the idea would be what rules could be holding you back? Um, First, go back and explain value conflict. Yeah. And that's a big one. So well, rules would be based on, they would probably align with your values in, in some way. And actually they could probably, you could crisscross over and say a rule is a value. Value is a rule, or here's this value, but here's how it plays out in a rule of behavior or thinking, that type of thing. Um, here's one of the places that we've, that we've seen it a lot. So a person has a value about spending money and where they should spend money and how much they should spend money and what's responsible in a way of spending money. And then they have rules that are going to play out according to that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go into debt or I'm only going to carry this much debt. I'm only going to charge that much. I'll only buy things within this price range. And at the same time, they want to become wealthy. So 
their behavior around money is based on some kind of frugality that they were raised with, yet they want to become wealthy. So the 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 behaviors that are going to be required for them to be wealthy conflict directly with the frugality of staying safe or you have a person who's working a job. They're on a they're on a fixed in- income. It's not about right or wrong. It's about they conflict. So when you take this person, you put them into a, into a business, they take these rules and they assume that everybody else has the same rule, which is really fascinating, right? Because it's, you're not, you're really not thinking. You're just assuming people have the same rule. Right. And then you start assuming what people, what other people can afford and you adjust your prices on your product or service based on what you think other people can afford, yeah. which is actually based on your rule which is a value conflict with the desired result that you want, which is actually to become wealthier or, or make more money. Right, because you can't be wealthy and make more money if you're constantly deciding what someone can afford and then charging them that. Right. It's, it's like the, the equation doesn't add up. Right. It's so relevant that we've seen people own their own businesses, not pay themselves first because of this problem, uh, not earn what they want because of this problem, not be able to expand their company because of this problem. And you say to them, why are you charging what it is that you're doing? I think if you would raise your prices to this, we could easily solve this equation. And they look at you like there's absolutely no way anybody would buy my product or service for that price. They're, it, it's like the veil comes down. They're completely closed to it. And then when you help them move through it and realize that that's not true, that it's a rule that they're placing on their own customer base, uh, they're forever changed afterwards. We saw this happen with um, one of our past clients, Allison Williams, mm-hmm. who is incredibly successful right now. Multi, yeah. Multi-million dollar, biz- multiple multi-million multiple dollar business. Yeah. business owner, right? But when she first came to us, I remember her sitting in her very first intensive and she wasn't paying herself. She wasn't paying herself first, right? right. And you said, you have to pay yourself first. And out of her mouth was, I can't, I can't, that's irresponsible. That's crazy. I can't. And you said, no, you can't. And she said, I can't. I mean, she was like, oh, we went round and round, went round and round. Right. But it was, it was, it was the thing that really acted as a catalyst for her to see what was actually happening in her business and raise her standards for herself, which then created, I mean, just exponential growth in her business. I think when you look at rules, if your initial response is, I can't, right? You need to really take a look at that. I would agree with you. Right? I can't raise my prices because people won't, won't, um, won't be able to afford it. I can't create accountability for my team because the whole team will leave. I can't fire this person because it could cause A, B, and C. I, right. can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Like all the reasons why they can't. I think I can't is a symptom of following rules that you really actually need to be breaking. Yeah. When you're... If you're stuck, because people always say, what do you do when you get stuck? First thing is to realize is that your mind is stuck. Your mind is stuck around some kind of a belief or set of rules um, that is, is or is not true, and you're not, you don't understand how to actually move through it. It's not the natural state of the universe to be stuck. Everything that we need is already here. All the answers are already here. So when we get stuck, we're thinking based on the way we've always done it before, and we're not letting new information come in to form a possibility. Right. And I think that the scary part about this is people don't even realize these are points, these are points that they need to look at, right? It's right. just, I don't like bananas. 
or I don't, I'm not dipping my chocolate chip into, into apple juice. It really boils down to being. Can't put something in my eye. That can't put something in my eye. It boils down to being that simple. And I think, you know, this week's a really busy kind of important week for us. We're hosting our very last Art of Success Summit. And the whole first day starting what we start this Wednesday, the whole first day is about uncovering these hidden value conflicts, right? People, people on day one, like usually within two hours of the first day, they're like, I'm good. I got my money's worth. Like, I see what I need yeah. to see, right? Mm-hmm. So just a quick little plug for the very last Art of Success Summit happening Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. There are still tickets available. It is all virtual. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes, but you can also go to davidnagelseminars.com. It's going to be an amazing three days. And that whole first day is going to be all spent on your subconscious beliefs, right. your, your value complex that you don't even know are value complex. Yeah. You have to tell the pot roast story. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Um, and I used to tell this story all the time, mm-hmm. too. So, That's how I know it, because I've heard it like seven times, but yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. So there's this, there's this very interesting story that I heard about a young couple that gets married. And the wife says to the husband, I'd like to make you dinner. What would you like? What would you like for dinner? I'll make you anything you want. And he says, I would absolutely love pot roast. And she says, okay, great. So she's going she's gonna to make him a pot roast. And um, <laughs> this, this is really something. So, so they sit down, they have dinner, and they're going to eat this pot roast. And the ends are cut off on the pot roast. And he, he looks at her, and she's like, she's all proud that she did this pot roast and everything. It's like one of the first meals she makes for him. And he goes, she goes, is something wrong? And he goes, why did you cut the ends off the pot roast? And she goes, what are you talking about? She said, well, the ends are cut off. Why'd you cut the ends off the pot roast? And she says, everybody cuts the ends off the pot roast. And, and he goes, my mother nuts and cut the ends off the pot roast. And she's like, well, I'm not your mother. And he goes, no, serious. Why did you cut the ends off the pot roast? She says, because that's how you make pot roast. So they get in this argument and it's like, because this is how my mom taught me to make pot roast. So after they calm down, they start talking about it and they realize that there's something about this that actually is a little silly. So they call her mother on the phone and they're asked, they're like, I made pot roast and they're telling them the story and they're laughing and, and they cut the ends off the pot roast and they ask the mother, why did you teach me to make pot roast to cut the ends off the pot roast? And she says, because that's how you make pot roast. And she goes, but why? Why is, why do you make, like, why, what is the purpose of cutting the ends off the pot roast? She says, I don't know. That's how my mother taught me to make it. So grandma's still alive. They get grandma on the phone. Yes. They get grandma (laughs) on the phone. They're having this conversation with grandma. They're telling her the whole story. And grandma is laughing her ass off. And she says, look, she says, when grandpa and I first got married, we could only afford one pan and a pull pot roast couldn't fit in it. So you had to cut the ends off to get the pot roast to fit in the pan. And that's why we cut the ends off the pot roast. And they passed it down two generations without anybody knowing what the reason was. And they did it because that's just how they learned to do it. Nobody ever considered why they were doing it. And here it shows up in this generation and a person's doing it and they have no idea 
why they're doing it. They don't realize that it was done out of a situation that took place two generations ago that no longer exists in this person's life, yet they're, they dig their heels in around the idea of that's the way that it should be done, or that's the way it's supposed to be done. I love that story. It's a great story. I think you can look in, in all different kinds of area of your life and see things that you're currently doing or that you have beliefs around that are not really based in you knowing why right. you have beliefs around that or why you have rules around that. So the idea of today is to question all those rules. And while you're at it, go get yourself a chocolate chip cookie and dip that sucker in apple juice. And then you let us know, is it good or is it gross? Here's, yeah. So, so here's, so here's something, here's a little, like a little brain thumper. Yes. If you've got something in your life, like do look at everything that you're doing. If you got something in your life and if I was to ask you, why are you doing that? And your response is just because. Oh, there you go. You know you've got a rule. Yeah. Be- because there's, I mean, if you, there's no just, if there's no r- rationalization behind what you're doing, it like experientially, right? Here's the reason we're, we determined this was the best way to do something because of these factors. You know that you've got a rule. You, know, you yeah. absolutely know because there is no just because. Right. I'm wearing a rule right now. I'm wearing a rule. Tell everybody what you're doing. My rule is. When I was younger, my mom was not a fan of bright lipstick. Interesting. Right? And I have very naturally full lips, so my brother would make fun of me, like, ruthlessly. He used to say, if you would stick your head out the window, your lips would beat you to death. My lips are so big. (laughs) Thank you, dear brother. Um, But the rule was, like, don't wear bright lipstick. And guess what I'm wearing today for the very Bright first time. Did you do that on purpose? I did. Wow. I like Look at you about going this. meta. I'm breaking my rules. That's great. It was interesting because this whole situation that happened with the team really got me thinking about like, okay, so. What rules are you following? What rules am I following? What, what rules should I be questioning right now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thought. We should always think that. Agreed. Are you doing any, um. Are, do you, would you go as far to dip your pot roast into apple juice or no? I would try anything once. I really. mean, I can't say that I wouldn't now. I just did a whole podcast. I'm breaking my own rules. So I think, I mean, like I said, if it's not going to kill me, I'd be willing to, I'd be willing. Yeah. To I, think people, I think people need to go check out the unpopular opinion Reddit to read the comments <laughs> about this. It's so fascinating. They're talking about dipping it in Capri Sun, in orange juice, in... Gatorade, I mean, you name it, they're dipping all manners of chocolate chip cookies, and there's some people even dip it in milk. So not to get too far off task, or sorry, not milk, but water. Dipping oh. it in water. Oh. It's just a soggy cookie, right? Yeah. But see, we've always been taught that milk, you always, you dip it in milk. I'm not a or dipper. Coffee. I'm not a dipper or a dunker, but I will say this. I tried the apple juice dip, and it was impressive how delicious it was. And maybe it's because it's fall, it's the season, it tasted like a cider donut. But it was delicious. And I said, I stand corrected because I immediately was going to say to the guys, no way in hell would I ever try that. It's fascinating. <laughs> nice. So, David, you got to try this now. I'll I mean, try it. I'll you got to try, try it. it. Okay. Got to give it a shot. All right. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the Successful Mind Podcast, all about rules. The idea is for you to try something new, really challenge your own beliefs and your rules and see what comes of it. If you like our podcast, go ahead and subscribe, pass it along to friends. And also just another quick reminder, 
Our very last Art of Success Summit is coming up here on Wednesday. And we're going to go pretty deep into some of the topics that we talked about on this podcast. So if you want a little bit more, a little bit deeper, go ahead and click the link below or go to davidningle.com forward slash art. And we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff. My only rule is, and this is based on experience, no raisins in hot food. I agree. No raisins in hot food. I'm no right raisins in hot food. Cannot do. I thought for sure David was going to talk about beets, but I think that's more of a clean plate rule <laughs> than it is about. No, a- I can't. No, cooked beets, I cannot stand the smell. It just hits my gag reflexes, the odor, and it, I would literally regurgitate it. <laughs> cooked beets, um, raisins in, I don't like, oh. ra- well, yeah, raisins in hot food. But raisins, like raisins and cookies are okay. Yes, raisins like and cookies or, or raisins plain or something like that. Yeah. yeah. What about a cold beet? I can actually eat a you cold beet. Can do beet. cold beet. Like I can eat a beet. cold Smell. beet, a raw beet, even juicing a beet. I could. It's great, but don't cook it. Don't roast no it. Oh shit! Huh? That's amazing. No, <laughs> I don't like roasted carrots. Oh, that's right. Uh, and I don't like, I don't like uh, sweet pickle lily. Oh, sweet what? Uh, relish, sweet, relish. sweet relish, sweet relish. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on sweet, sweet relish. I, like I need this. I need the sour. Yeah, they're really gross. Damn good show.